You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. You come with me in your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 26, Deuteronomy chapter 26. The title of my message tonight is The Signature of God, The Signature of God. Can we actually just thank uh, Paul Churchwood and the brilliant team that do these graphics every week? They do such a great job. Look how cool that looks, The Signature of God. Let me read this from verse 5 and then it'll make sense. Deuteronomy 26 verse 5 says, And you shall answer... And say before the Lord your God, my father was an Aramean about to perish and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord, God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labour and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So shall you rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house, you and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. Amen. Amen. Now that, 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 passage we just read was actually Moses's kind of, he's right now on the departing instructions. He's about to go up to Mount Nebo where he's going to exit this life and enter into uh, eternity. And he's giving final instructions. And he's saying that when you get into the promised land, the first harvest you to bring the tithe. You, the first harvest you to bring the tithe, but don't just bring the tithe and drop it in the bucket. He says, you're to rehearse this, you're to say this. You're, what I just read, this is what you're to say, that, that Abraham, our, our granddaddy in the faith, was an Aramean wandering in the wilderness. God spoke to him about this land. And then Jacob came down 70 people into, into Egypt and God multiplied them. By the time they got out of Egypt, they went from 70, they went from a family of 70 to a nation of 2 million. And this is what they were to, to, to confess as they brought the tithe, that this was a God of blessing. So tonight I wanna to talk to you about the signature of God, the signature of God. Some of you might be aware that in World War II, the Nazis weren't just content with uh, wiping out the uh, Jews through what they called the final solution. They weren't just content to uh, eradicate what Hitler called useless eaters, which was the handicapped, the disabled. But they also wanted to, to steal all the wealth. They didn't wanna just conquer the lands and conquer the world, but they stole all the wealth. And especially going into the museums and stealing some of the finest works of art. Many of these 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later were still missing. And, uh, you know, being recovered sometimes in basements, sometimes in boxes and containers and, and all kinds of places. Some of them, the, 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 the uh, artwork was so covered in, in thick dust or residue that they couldn't tell whether it was a, a Rembrandt or Cezanne. And they couldn't tell the art. Was it cheap art? Was it expensive? Was it priceless art? Until they began to very, very delicately clean the art. And then when they looked down in the corner, they could see the signature. 
And then they knew, my God, this is a Rembrandt. My God, this is a Caesar. And they knew that it was a priceless piece of art. They knew that because of the signature. They knew that because of the signature. The Bible says that you and I are His workmanship. You and I are His workmanship. I just need you to understand that the greatest artist that ever, ever existed is God. We have people who worship what God created and destroyed 4,700 years ago with the flood and hasn't even bothered to touch it again. You drive through beautiful botanical gardens and see everything so clean and in order and manicured and everything. That was the original state and then God destroyed everything with the flood and then has just kind of let it, and still people today worship, they don't worship the Creator, they worship the, the creation. They worship nature, they don't even give glory to God. And God's like, are you serious? I haven't even, I haven't even pulled a weed for 4,700 years. It's, it's kind of an over, you, you should have seen it before I destroyed it with a flood. Before the flood, there was a canopy uh, the, around the earth, many of the, the, the planets in our solar system have uh, a water vapor canopy around it. The Bible says these things broke up that, that dropped all the water in such a deluge over the 40 days. But the downside of us losing that canopy in the judgment is there is about 800 times, 800x the amount of colors that you and I see now. And yet how many people stand and see the, the sky bright red with crimsons and magentas and yellows and oranges with a sunset on the clouds and just takes your breath away. I'm telling you that that artist had 800 more paint things in his palette to create. Every day God is creating art, but I want you to know the angels in heaven look at your life and look at my life and they're looking for the signature of God. There are 7.2 billion people, but not every, not every one of those people have placed themselves as a canvas on the, on the easel of God. But here in this house, we're determined in San Diego to not just build buildings. This isn't a building, this is an altar. San Marcos is not a building, it's an altar. Balboa is not a building, it's an altar. East Lake is not a building, it's an altar. Every location we have is an altar. What happens in that altar, at that altar, we see ourselves as a canvas and we come and we lay ourselves before the God, the great artist of the universe. And we say, God, paint your picture on my life. Take your paintbrush. I couldn't paint. I couldn't create a life as awesome as you can. So God, take your brushes. Here I am. Whatever thy will is, God, here I am. And you will find that a little signature of God turns up. The angels are awesome. The angels, wow, my God, can you see, can you see Abba Father? There's the Father's signature on him. Let me give you tonight four signatures, four signatures of God over your life. The first one is transformation. The first signature of God is transformation. Every other religion, every other religion is all about conformation. It'll get you to conform to a set of ideals. When I got saved, I got saved on a beach. They didn't give me a list of to-dos. They just said, there's somebody here and you're jacked up. They said, you tried drugs, you tried booze, you tried using people, you've tried all of these things and you're still empty. I'm like, my God, how does he know? That's me. And they said, what's missing in your life is not religion, it's Jesus. Pray this prayer. And as I prayed a prayer, when I opened my eyes, the whole world was different. The whole world was different because I didn't realise, but, but the Word of God, I invited the Word, Jesus Christ, onto the inside of me. Right, right. 
Now, the Bible says this about Jesus. Jesus is the Word and Jesus says the kingdom is like a seed. In fact, it's like a mustard seed, smaller than all the seeds. So, so tiny, you can hardly even notice it. But when it is sown, but when it is sown, a seed has all the potential to produce, but it'll remain full of potential, but impotent until it is sown. Until it is sown. Once the seed is sown, you are a seed. You are a seed. The devil will do everything he can to keep you from getting planted in the house of God. He don't want no harvest coming from your life. Not a good harvest anyway. So he'll plant you in the nightclubs. He'll plant you in this gang. He'll plant you in this place. He'll plant you. He'll plant you anywhere but in the house of God. But once you get planted in the house of God, your life is going to begin to flourish. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, smallest of all the seeds. But when it is sown, when it is planted, it grows. And it doesn't grow as a herb. It grows larger than all the herbs and becomes a tree and shoots out large, large branches into the sky so that the birds nest. In I got saved on a beach on this tiny little remote place on the south coast of Australia. Hardly anybody noticed. It didn't make an earthquake, didn't make a tremor, wasn't on the front page of the paper. It was just like a little mustard seed. But I've got to tell you, 33 years later, the mustard seed on the inside of me has begun to grow and has shot out large branches so that we have an East Lake campus, a Salt, Liddy, Salt Lake City campus, an El, El, El Cajon campus, a, a, a Bressy Ranch campus, a San Marcos campus, a Central campus with other campuses still to come. The Kingdom of God starts as a garden but finishes in Revelation as a city. It started in Genesis. God created a garden, but in the book of Revelation, come on somebody, in the book of Revelation, it's a city coming down. You'll find that God is in the transformation business. He meets a guy called Abram, but he changes him to Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of a multitude. He meets a guy called Simon, which means reed, but he changes his name from Simon into Peter, which means rock. You ain't a reed boy, you're a rock. He meets a guy called Saul and transforms him into Paul. He, he, he meets people called Jacob and he changes them into Israel. Now there's an entire nation. Uh, after When God meets people, transformation is the first thing. You will find that when you come into an encounter with the living God, when you open yourself up to being filled with the Holy Ghost and getting planted in the house of God, you'll find the transformation happens. Can somebody say amen? God is in the transformation business. The second one is, the second uh, signature is increase. Increase. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 24, that the way of life winds upward for the righteous. You'll find that when you come to God, God is a God of increase. A little boy brings five loaves and two fish to Jesus. Five loaves and two fish. The disciples are like, Lord, you've been preaching for two days. Great sermon. Little long. Little long. No one in to critique. But anyway, you should send the crowd away because they're probably hungry. And we don't want them faint along the way. It's not going to look good. Just helping you with some PR, Jesus, won't look good. Jesus' disciples faint and many die on the way. Not good. So Jesus goes, no, no, we don't need to send them away. You give them something to eat. And they're like, we can't. Oh, shoot, what's it going to cost? We've got 5,000 men plus women and children, 15,000 people. Judas, because he's the treasurer. <laughs> Judas, how much money have we? Wow, I thought we had more than that. Why are your pockets so bulgy? And uh, anyway, 
And they said, Lord, even if we spend enough for everyone to eat a little bit with all the money we've got, it's still not going to do the thing. But there is a lad here with five loaves and two fish, but what are they amongst so many? And Jesus says, bring me the five loaves and two fish. So they bring the five loaves and two fish to Jesus. How many people know the story? So Jesus takes the five loaves and two fish and does this. And the Bible says, and looking up to heaven. Notice he doesn't look down at the five loaves and two fish. He doesn't look down at how little he's got and you don't understand the GFC and you don't understand how expensive it is to live in San Diego. You don't understand like this is all my boss and you know, the minimum wage. And he doesn't look down at the five loaves and two fish. He doesn't even look out. He doesn't even look out at the 5,000 men plus women and children. He He doesn't look at his circumstance. The Bible says, and looking up, to heaven. David says, I will lift my eyes to the hills from whence comes my salvation from the Lord. Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. Why, 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 why would he give thanks? He's got a bigger problem than provision. Why, why, why would he give thanks? Because he's trying to teach us something. See, if this pulpit was a divide, this is the natural and this is the supernatural. Jesus knows in the natural, five loaves, two fish ain't gonna cut it. So I've got to step from the natural into the supernatural. So how do I do that? Well, number one, you gotta look up. Looking up to heaven. Giving thanks. So the Bible says in Psalm 100 verse four, that we enter His, come on somebody, we enter His, we enter His gates. Whose gates? We enter God's gates with thanksgiving. So, so outside of God's gates, you better believe there's lack. Outside of God's gates, there's pestilence. Outside of God's gate, there's struggle. Outside of God's gates, there's poverty. Outside of God's gate, there's sickness and disease and infirmity. Outside of God's gate. But, but once, you, once you cross into, once you go through God's gate, you begin to find that the streets are paved with gold. You begin to find, my God, I, that arthritic pain is gone. Hang on, hang on. Oh, it's back. Wow, what's going on? We enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Most people never enter into the supernatural realm of God because the devil has taught us on this side just to whine and complain. And if you whine and complain long enough, somebody will throw you a handout. You don't need a handout, you need a breakthrough. And a breakthrough comes from giving thanks. But if the devil can train you to look at how life has been so cruel, life has been so unfair, you've only got five loaves and two fish. Oh, how are you going to make it on minimum wage? You can't make it on minimum They need to raise them. Or looking at the problem. Well, you know, the GFC and all the fat cats in Wall Street, you know, 99%. And look, no, 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 you don't need that. All you need to do is look up to heaven, give thanks so that you can enter into His gates. So then He, say, then he hands it to the disciples. He blesses it, breaks it, gives it to the disciples and they distribute it. At the end, the Bible says, everybody ate and was satisfied. What a miracle. Everybody ate. 15,000 plus people ate and were satisfied. And then Jesus says to the disciples, now go collect the basketfuls of leftovers. They're like leftovers. Are you crazy? We were hoping there'd be just enough. He's like, well, all right, time out, time out. Let's be honest. Can five loaves and two fish feed all this multitude? 
No, no, it can't. That's like people kept coming up and they kept grabbing and grabbing. And some people came up getting two plates and, and I said, hey, you can't take two. And they said, it's from my friend. Well, I said, who's your friend? And he said, Ke- Ke- Kel Barry. And he doesn't have a friend. And, 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 and she's like, exactly. So five loaves and two fish just fed 15,000 people. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Exactly. So for a miracle to happen, who was involved? God, exactly. Now let me show you the signature of God. If God was involved, He doesn't do just enough. If God was involved, He never does just enough. But you and I, you and I have a just enough mentality because as soon as you go through the institutions of humanistic philosophy from the world, they will teach you that the world's running out, there's only 12 years left, unless you vote us into power, and give us control of the entire treasury. Anyway, and uh, you know, fossil fuels are running. Can I just tell you that the biggest lie is there is a such thing as fossil fuels. The fuel does not come from fossils. Just, it's not from fossils. Wells that we've pumped all the oil and now re- reproducing oil. The earth produces everything it needs. Oh, I think the world's overpopulated. There's too many people and not enough food. Oh, really? So when God said back in the garden, be fruitful and multiply, he had to put a caveat in there. I, 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 don't, I don't mean like... Like he's in heaven going, Gabriel, I wasn't expecting them to... He said, fill the earth. I'm telling you, if you ever fly on a plane, barren, 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 empty, barren, there's plenty of space. But, but, but governments know if they preach the Bible, you ain't gonna give them more power. So they've got to preach a lie. So we've been trained that there's a lack. We've been trained that, you know, if God breaks through and, and, and the Lord help me pay my rent. I'm just believing God for, for you know, just, just enough to get by. All I ask for is a roof over my head, a warm bed to sleep in. That's all I be asking of the Lord, the good Lord above. Oh, may grant me my prayers. That's all I'm asking. Oh, my God, dear God in heaven. I'm praying right now that I've got a roof over my head, a lovely warm bed, and a, perhaps a Guinness to wash it down. No, I mean, uh, uh, <clears throat> Jesus says, go collect it. So the Bible says they went out and they're picking up fragments and they fill it. So the Bible says they filled 12 basketfuls of leftovers. 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Jesus and God are collaborators. They're in this thing to get, they're conspiring right now. Because how many disciples does Jesus have? Twelve. Do you know the next town they're going to is 11 miles away? Hmm. Twelve basketfuls filled to the brim and 12 disciples. Why don't each of you pick up a basket and walk the next 11 miles? Jesus is getting heavy. Oh, I thought it was meant to be an empty basket. That basket was saying, yeah, and you thought that God only does just enough. 
the weight of that basket for the next 11 miles was preaching at him, saying, you put God in a boat. You got to change the way you think. Really? Really? You think that God only does enough? You think that God... The God's like, oh man, I've only got enough to make your rent. I've only got enough for your car payment. I've only got enough. Don't spend any more. I don't have any more. God does exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power working us. God is a God of increase. God is a God of increase. Everything starts as a seed and ends in a harvest. When I, when I left engineering to go to Bible school to do full-time Bible college, my dad stood in the, in the driveway and it was, it was satanic. It was from the devil. Stood in my driveway and, and said, you will not get one cent. You will not get... When a young man's leaving, opportunity to work full-time, salary, wages, to go full-time college, it's a time where you need mum and dad. My dad made sure you're on your own. He was so mad that I was leaving engineering because you know, Germans say, love say engineering. Mr. Hominger, the Deutsche Leute. They love the Mercedes and the Porsche, the VW, the Volkswagen, BMW, BMW, and the Audi. German cars, German engineering. He, he loved me being an engineer, hated me going off to Bible college. So he, he said, not one cent. And you know what? He lived up to it, not one cent. You ask Leanne, not one cent over our entire marriage, not one cent of support. So two years ago, God says to me, you need to honour your father. I said, God, I've forgiven him because you asked me to. I told him that, you, that I love him because you asked me to. But you've got to help me on this one. Name one thing that he's done that's honourable and I'll be happy to honour him. And God said, oh, I'm not asking you to honour him because of what he's done. I'm asking you to honour him because of who he is. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments that you keep violating. It's the fifth commandment, and it's interesting that it's the fifth commandment because five is the number of grace. He says, you ain't operating in any grace. You're holding Him. So I said, all right, well, what, what does that look like? And he says, I want you to fly Him and His partner, Josie, over from France, first class, and ha for Thanksgiving and have him dedicate your house. And I'm like, he, he's not a Christian. So dedicating the house, if you're okay with him dropping the F-bomb while he's dedicating the house is on you. It's a true story. I booked their flipping tickets in first class for Thanksgiving. So, so anyway, I don't hear anything. For like eight weeks goes by, I haven't heard a thing. So finally, because he changed his mobile phone number, because at his age now they give you a free one from the, but you only get, you know, 40 credits a week or something. And so he didn't, didn't get, so I had to track down his new number. So I called him, Dad, Dad. I said, are you still coming tomorrow? Oh, blank, that's tomorrow. I said, tomorrow. He goes, oh, blank, every day we go out to the mailbox, no tickets. I said, Dad, they're electronic. Oh, blank, they're electronic. I said, I emailed them to you. Oh, blank, they're in the email. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. And so, Anyway, so I said, Dad, so your flight's tomorrow. Oh, blank, we can't make it. 
I said, why not? You could, you could drive up. You only live four hours south of, of Paris. He's like, yeah, we want to catch the train. And the train won't get there in time. I said, well, can't you just drive? No, I don't want to leave my cars there. All right, I'll have to call back. So I had to call back because I had to call the airline for $1,800 per ticket. They delayed it. They let him go the next day. So another $3,600. Then when he arrived, the Holy Spirit said to me, he's not to pay for a thing, not one meal. You pay for everything. The whole, the whole honouring my dad venture <laughs> was unbelievably expensive. <laughs> Somewhere in the vicinity of thirteen dollars to $15,000 to honour him. But on the last day that he was with us in the kitchen, he broke down. And I think he's looking because what he was experiencing was so different to what he'd sown. And he was trying to make sense of, I abandoned you when you were 14 emotionally. And then when you went to, to college, I completely disconnected from you. You've been on your own ever since. Never did I help you when you were buying a home in New Zealand. I didn't help you, didn't lift a finger. And now here I am in your kitchen, in the house that you've built, and you've paid us, paid for every meal, and you flew us over first class, and he began to cry. And he said, how did I, I don't understand, how did I get such a son? And I was able to say Jesus. And then he looks at me and says, do you, do you know the song, Hallelujah? I'm like, Dad, I'm a pastor, I know a lot of songs. <laughs> Which song do you know that's hallelujah? <laughs> Probably a better question. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you know the one by Leonard Cohen? They said there was a secret chord, David played and it pleased the Lord. I said, yeah, I know that one. I said, I got it on my playlist. I said, why don't we go out and I'll put it on the Apple TV? So we put it on. He starts, he gets to the hallelujah chorus. He's crying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's bawling his eyes out. I look at Josie, she's now singing and bawling. So I could never, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. So I'm now singing. <laughs> so the three of us are bawling. Leanne comes out. <laughs> He's so close to getting saved. You know, was it expensive? Absolutely. But I don't think you can honour without it costing you something anyway. So watch this, and you know, this, this, is, this is a difficult thing, but, uh, and it's gonna, it's gonna come across like boasting, but if, if it is a boast, then understand I'm boasting in the Lord. If you would have told me when I, when I went to Bible school that one day I would give a million dollars to the church, I would have said, you got rocks in your head. You got absolute, you, you know, whatever you're smoking, please may I have some. <laughs> That's what I would have said to you. This year, it's our 14th year in uh, San Diego and I just got my tax return back and I'm looking at, at our giving and I've looked at our, our giving. This year, in our 14th year, we will cross giving a million dollars in tithes, offerings and vision builders over 14 years. The, the, the God, the God, the God who, I left engineering, went to Bible college, Worked part-time at Pizza Hut, delivering pizzas. David said, when my mother and father 
fail or forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. All these years later, I got to tell you, God, the signature of God is increase. The signature of God is increase. Well done, good and faithful. You were faithful with a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. God's signature is increase. You will find maybe right now you're saying, man, I've got more bills and I've got to get ready. God is going to increase. You may be saying, man, right now I've got more things going out. than Get ready. God is a God of increase. God, the signature of God is increase. Increase. Somebody tonight, just go ahead and give God a praise because increase and breakthrough is what God does. He's going to give you a breakthrough. He's going to give you this year, this year, this year is your year of increase. Oh, the third one. The third. We didn't even have the video on them. Dear Jesus. Number three. Freedom. The signature of God is freedom. I love the story in Luke chapter eight. It says, when they came to Jesus, Luke 8, 35, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man at the head of the legion, clothed, sitting, and in his right mind. Sitting means he's at peace. When you sit, you're able to rest. Jesus, after dying on the cross, the Bible says, ascended into heaven where he sat at the right hand of God. It's done. It is finished. I don't need to do any more. I can sit because it is done. I can sit because it is finished. He saw, they saw, they saw the tormented man cutting himself with stones, crying out night and day, breaking the chains, breaking the restraints, breaking the shackles. Always his home was in the, in the tombs, howling at the moon, a crazy man. And here they saw him. And the Bible says they saw him clothed and they saw him sitting and they saw him in their right mind. And the Bible says that they were greatly afraid. They were like so freaked out that they begged Jesus to leave the region. Like this is too much power for us. This, this is crazy. But you need to understand the signature of God is freedom. People come into church. I came to Christ addicted to this and addicted to that and bound by this and gripped by bitterness and resentment and anger towards my father and, 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 and a vengeance on the inside of me. When I get big enough, I'm gonna beat my... I came into the house of God. I was so bound. You know, the devil may not have been able to stop you from getting saved, but he can make sure that you don't enjoy your salvation. So you're saved. Yes, you're going to heaven, but you're addicted to this and you're still bound by by that and you're gripped by this and you're held by that and you're squashed down under this. When you come to Jesus Christ, you will find as you plant yourself in the house of God, the power of the Holy Ghost will come upon you. And that power is a power that sets the captives free. It's a power that breaks every chain. Now here's the thing, you know, Dr. Matt will tell you that, that you know, he was raised in, in Christendom. He was raised in Christianity. But he would have heard over and over again that the reason Jesus came was to die on the cross for us sinners. The reason Jesus came, He had to go, all right, sit down, oh, go and do it. Now try harder. Stop it. And then He went to heaven. That's most church's theology. I want you to know, and this is gonna sound a little bit sacrilegious, so just hang in there with me. Jesus didn't only come to atone for your sin. That's not the only reason that He came. Yes, He came to atone for our sin. Yes, He did. But it's not the only reason. 
1 John 3 verse 8 says, For this reason, Jesus appeared on earth to destroy the works of the devil. Yes, He came to provide atonement. Yes, He came and He died on a Friday to wash and cleanse you and me from all our sin, iniquity, transgression. Yes, He did, but he, that wasn't it. So that's why Friday, He died on the cross with your sin and my sin, which sent Him into hell where the real business can begin because He came to destroy the works of the devil. And on the third day, He rose again, conquering death, conquering hell, having crushed the devil's head and now he holds the keys to the kingdom. He holds the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth, bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, loosed in heaven. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Whatever the devil has had over your life, shame, guilt, fear, anxiety, depression, bondage, sickness, addiction, heroin addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, porn addiction, lust, greed, bitterness, whatever the devil. I want you to know there's a power that flows in this house. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The signature of God is freedom. The signature of God is freedom. I used to be bound by, I used to be gripped by, I used to be struggling with, but now the power of God has set me free. The last one, number four. I've got to land the plane. Number four. Numero cuatro. This is my favourite one. Signature of God. Number one, transformation. Number two, increase. And let me just tell you, if you just, all you've got to do, how, how do I get these things? Simple, just get planted and then be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all you've got to do. Plant filled. Plant filled. And these things are going to be, my God, look at the signature of God. People are going to look at you and go, man, I don't even recognise you no more. Transformation. Dude, you're prospering. You're increasing. Why is that, God? Man, you, you look so free. There's a peace that you look younger. The last one, number four, is power. Signature of God is Power. Power. Matthew 10 verse 1, the Bible says, Jesus called the disciples to Him and He gave them power over unclean spirits. He gave them power to heal all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. He gave them power to turn the world upside down. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem. They're like, hang on, hang on. You just a moment ago told us to go into all the world and make disciples and we're ready to go. We've got our bags packed. He goes, yet yeah, before you go, wait. Oh, uh, which is it? Do we go or do we wait? Both. What? I want you to go, but before you go, wait. What are we waiting for? We're eyewitnesses. We were with you, Jesus. We heard all your sermons. Luke's even written it all down for us. So's Matthew. He's like, no, I want you to wait till you receive power. John baptized in water, but in a few days from now, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let me just talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not a force. He's not a mist. And He's not an it. He, he is not an it. He's a He. He's equal to the Father. 
He's not lesser than the Father. He's equal to the Son. He's not lesser than the Son. We dismiss Him. Most churches, He's kind of either an optional extra or a little bit of a hindrance. It's like, oh, excuse me, excuse me. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Oh, you're going to mess everything up. No, 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 no. Listen, yes, look, no. Afterwards, when, what can you, well, can you just do all that in the back room where nobody, oh, all right, I'll level with you. Because if you're going to turn people off, well, off you, off God, off you, if you, I don't know how we get to that point. David says, He anoints my head with oil and my cup runneth over. The cup runneth over not because God doesn't know how to pour. It's, it's, not, like, it's not like Gabriel's like, guys, I just want you to know God is good at many things. Just not pouring. Here, David, let me fill. Squirrel. Oh, oh, oh I've done it again. David says, my cup runneth over, not because God wants stains on the tablecloth. The reason the cup runneth over is because there's so many people with empty cups. What was the first miracle Jesus did? Turn water into? Why? Because Mary said they run out of wine. Do you know how many people run out of wine? How many marriages run out of forgiveness? Run out of love? Run out of grace? Run out of kind words? run out of encouragement, run out of date nights, run out of... How many people run out of hope? How many people run out of joy? How many people run out of happiness? How many people run out of... So all of a sudden, David's cup just keeps flowing over, a little bit embarrassing. So you can take your empty cup and say, hey, do you mind? He's like, no, it's overflowing anyway. And then, hang on, mine's empty now. How come yours is still... I'm tapped into the flow. Jesus says, out of your belly, if you believe in me, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Let me just explain. How do you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Signature of God. God never fills to the brim. He never fills to the top. He fills to overflowing. How do I know if I've been filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing? Glad you asked. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing, you leave your history, you leave your education, you leave your experience, and you step into a realm that is the realm of God. God speaks English, but it's not His only language. Revelation says that before the throne of God, tribes, tongues, nations gathered before the throne. When I am filled with the Holy Spirit, I move beyond English and I step into a realm. The Holy Spirit takes me, so I'm overflowing. So now I'm in a realm that is so far beyond my upbringing, my background, where 
Lembre da sidiera maronga da bashobre da regera. Where I'm now speaking languages I've never even learned before. And then Paul writes that we speak in the tongues of men and of angels. He doesn't even limit this experience to just the terrestrial realm. You can also begin to communicate and operate in the celestial realm where the Holy Spirit's praying through you, commanding this legion of angels, commanding this archangel to come on your behalf to do things. You're like, whoa, how on earth did that happen? God wants you filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you know if you're filled? Because you start speaking in languages you've never learned. That's how you know you're filled because God never fills to the brim. He never fills to the top. He always fills to overflowing. And the overflow is Why does He want you filled? Because He wants you full of power. You were created to be His vice region in the earth. You were created to carry His authority and power in the earth. How do I know this? Because when the story, Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son comes home, he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against You. I am no longer worthy to be Your son. Make me like one of Your hired servants. The father does not engage on that level. The father says, put a new robe on him. I thank God when I came to Christ, my pig slop stained clothing. He took off and He put brand new white clothing, whiter than I could wash, washed in the blood of Jesus, so I'm righteous before God. But He doesn't stop there. He takes His signet ring off and He puts the ring of authority, the ring that says, I'm His son. His daddy, his daddy had accounts all through town. He could take the signet ring and, and say, I want a ton of concrete and I want a ton of this kind of wood. I'm building a house and I'll pay for it. And he stamped the ring and yes, sir, it is done. It goes to daddy. He put that ring on his son's finger. His son had just spent everything, squandered it all. And he come back and on the same day he comes back, he restores his authority. The devil is a liar. He doesn't, he wants you to keep eking your way through life, not believing that God has entrusted you with the keys to the kingdom of heaven, that God has not trusted you with being his vice regent. God has restored to you your authority. He's given you power to execute his will. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I know my pants keep falling down. The good thing is, I lost my tummy. The bad thing is, I had, I had violent um, uh, food poisoning when I landed in Australia last week. So every cloud. <laughs> We're out of time. <laughs> Feel the Holy Spirit. We're gonna have an altar call in just a moment for anybody who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 2nd of January, 1989, I went to a prayer meeting they looked at me and they said, you haven't been baptised in the Holy Spirit. I said, I've been water baptised. They said, that's awesome. That's John's baptism, Jesus' baptism. Jesus said, John baptised in water. In a few days, you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. They prayed for me. I hit the deck and I began to speak in languages I've never learnt before. The Bible came alive. Christianity came alive. Everything began to change. I found when I laid my hands on people, all of a sudden there was a heat going, what the heck? I began to feel things like, whoa began to see things. I'd start speaking in tongues and I'd see a vision, I'd see a glimpse. I'm like, man, what was that? It was the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit belong to the Spirit. That's why they're the gifts of the Spirit. That's why it's so important to be filled with the Spirit. That's why the devil doesn't want a church moving in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't want the gifts in operation because every gift sets somebody free. 
Every gift releases a miracle. You don't want miracles releasing people free. He'd rather us just play church on a Sunday. He'd rather whisper in my ear, just keep everything safe and neat and tidy and enjoy your golf membership at your country club. But I hate golf. It's a four-letter word. Feel the Holy Spirit. If you, you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, just stand to your feet where you are right now. If you've never shabradar, never spoken in tongues, and you want that, stand to your feet right now. I'm going to pray for you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com. 